0: Good evening, welcome to Pigeon Post. I am on my way to Sprouts from work. So, let's see, I've already taken about 10 minutes or so. So I should have about 20 minutes, 25 minutes here. I'm going to try to do, I don't know if this will be a series of podcasts or just one. But it'll definitely be somewhat disorganized. (laughs) That's kind of of how I roll with this podcast. I'm trying to get my brother-in-law to start a podcast with me that will be much more organized. But um, with Pigeon Post, it's the desperate guy in the car just trying to get some thoughts out. So I don't know how many people enjoy that, but it seems like I get about 10 plays... Uh, or so uh, on a podcast and um, yeah maybe it's helping those ten people Um, I don't know but uh, for other guys out there I would encourage you like even if nobody's listening to your podcast start a podcast about something that you're passionate about Um, if it's about the Bible um, yeah try try the best you can to be accurate but it's also just a good way to kind of work out your own theology um, especially if you are kind of like me and you don't have a lot of people to talk to. Um, so anyway, I'm thinking out loud here about the Bible. And I guess the question that I want, and this will probably be the title of the podcast, the question that I want to kind of just keep bouncing off and trying to answer is why read the Bible? And... I could also phrase it as why keep reading the Bible. Like why would why would somebody initially start reading the Bible? And anybody, right? So we will have to look at like different backgrounds and uh, beliefs. Like why do why do people pick up the book in the first place? And then secondly, like why keep reading the Bible for people who think they you know maybe already know um, or already know God? Why? why keep reading the Bible and um, you know what's what's informing this question or what's what's making me want to talk about this Um, I guess part of it has a lot to do with progressive Christianity um, which if you don't know what that is or haven't heard that term it's basically um, you know there's liberal and conservative sides to everything um, but it's, I guess, sets itself against what most people would call fundamentalism. And, um, so it, I don't know. There's, when I listen to podcasts from progressive Christians or, um, read their articles or hear other, um, conservative, and I don't mean politically conservative, Although that tends to go along with it. But when I hear conservative or fundamentalist type people critique progressive Christianity, and when I read their works and such, um, it tends to be the issue, tends to really be the Bible. I mean, that's the basis of the Christian faith. And so these people feel drawn to the Bible, or maybe they were raised on the Bible, but they can't get over parts of it that they just don't like. Um, And so that creates um, this dissonance, this cognitive dissonance, I guess you'd say, and people start doing what's called deconstruction where they just kind of like put all of their beliefs in a bin and start reevaluating everything from the ground up and kind of see what they still want to believe or what still sticks for them. Um, But the problem is when they do this, I think they're, in many cases, giving up the authority of the Bible. And I think one of the most subtle ways that this can happen with Christians and I think this is a really widespread uh, kind of—it's uh, a fallacy. It's—it's it's something that we need to talk about. Um, is Christians, start thinking that the what we call the red letters—the words of Jesus in the Bible—hold um, more weight uh, than the rest of the Bible. It, it's kind of a—you know—to be honest it seems like a divide and conquer type strategy. Um, Like if I can just kind of cut out the rest of the Bible, which has a lot of things I don't like, and just look at the words of Jesus, that sounds good, right? Because we would think, Oh, since it's Jesus talking, it's, it's more valuable than the rest. Um, The problem is that that's not Jesus's view of scripture. Jesus was God. He was the Son of God, but he was also man. And as a man, he, like us, holds the Bible, and the Bible that he had, understand, you understand, did not include any red letters yet, <laughs> because the Gospels hadn't been written. So he's saying things that are authoritative on his own part, because he's God, but as a man, he's also proclaiming the scripture that already was. And, uh, it has the same weight as his own words. Um, so Jesus doesn't have a a low view of scripture. He has a high view of scripture. So I think this strategy of like taking Jesus's words and saying, I'm just going to hold those up because I don't like the old Testament because God seems angry to me and I don't like Paul. Uh, for many reasons so I'm just gonna go with Jesus and the problem with that is that um, Jesus's words rest on the Old Testament scriptures Um, they lose all context and meaning especially if you're not gonna go with Jesus's view of those right and then the other problem is that Jesus's words extend through the Apostles by his own design so that they have the same authority um in their in their writing of scripture um that the written scripture had before so um and that only makes you know perfect sense if you think about it if Jesus is sending out the apostle Paul to proclaim what Jesus is telling Paul to proclaim um does that not have the same weight as Jesus' own words? And honestly, it doesn't really help anybody uh, either way because what ends up, like I said, it's a divide-and-conquer strategy. So you're like, I don't like Paul, and I don't like the Old Testament, so I'm just going to go with the words of Jesus. And even then, I'm just going to really take those words that I like and kind of explain away those words that I don't and uh, it's very problematic, problematic especially because it kind of turns into um, like a Thomas Jefferson approach, right? So Thomas Jefferson cut out all the things that he liked in the Bible or in the teachings of Jesus, I think, specifically, Um, and it just becomes pure moral teaching. Uh, And you basically lose who Jesus is because um, you have to, You would have to only go on Jesus' discourse about himself, right? So, like, Jesus didn't say John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18, right? John said it. So, if that's not the words of Christ, are you not going to then believe that Christ is the eternal word of God? It really all kinds of, it really kind of all falls apart when you start saying, well, this weighs more than this. Now, that's not to say that some parts of scripture are not more um, important, but they're more important not because they have an inherent greater authority than other parts of scripture, but just because of their topic and their context, they're more instructive on certain things. So if I wanna know uh, how creation happened, I would go to Genesis for that, and I would take all of what all scripture says about it, but Genesis is the root of that story. Um, So that's going to, just by definition, content and context tell me more about creation that I want to know about, right? And um, the irony here is that if you want to know what happened on the cross, you can read the crucifixion accounts but they don't necessarily tell you exactly what it means. And so I think you're losing all of the function of the apostles who were sent out to proclaim the word of Christ. And, you know, Romans says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now older versions said word of God. Um, And that's a manuscript issue, it's not a conflict. But the point is that when When the Bible says that faith comes by the word of God, and that verse doesn't mean uh, all of the scriptures necessarily, but it does mean the proclamation of the gospel, the word of Christ. So that is actually more clear in Paul than it is in Jesus. uh, Because Jesus had different goals with what he was, each time he was teaching, um, he sent Paul and the the rest of the apostles to clarify the gospel and the meaning of everything that was happening. So you got to understand that, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are narratives. They're telling a story of what happened, but they don't flesh out everything that it means. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But the God, the, uh, the letters that Paul wrote and the other apostles wrote, those flesh out what it meant for Jesus to die on the cross, how it's applied to us, what the resurrection meant. So I can go to John and say, well, Jesus rose again, yeah. But that doesn't necessarily tell me all the full meaning of what that event meant. It's just like if someone was writing... Uh, writing history and just telling you a narrative this is what happened this day on this day this happened right but what happens after the fact historians and scholars reflect on it and try to draw out the meaning well in the apostles writings that come after uh, Matthew Mark Luke John and I, you could even add Acts under that as a narrative history narrative the ones that come after are basically the Holy Spirit's reflections on what everything meant in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Um, So I find that people that start having this cognitive dissonance with the Word of God or with kind of the way things are, doctrine, they tend to not like doctrine or systematic theology, putting things in categories... They tend to want to stay in the narrative, but that's not how God revealed himself fully. It's not just about the story. It's about what the story means. So if you go tell someone a story, but you don't tell them what it means, um, in this case, you're not, they're not really getting the God, the gospel. Right. And, um. So, I mean, because, I mean, Jesus in history died on a cross. Every Roman there would know, you know, soldier or whoever was there would have seen Jesus die on the cross, right? And then even some people knew or saw him rise from the dead, but not everybody that saw him die on the cross or heard, heard his teachings or even knew or saw him risen believed. That's that's not what faith is about. Faith isn't about a pure belief in the events. Although we can't have faith without the events. So the Bible gives us both. It gives us events, and it gives us the meaning of the events. And that is where uh, our faith comes in. That this happened, and God did it, and this is what it means to me. This is how I... Um, trust God in this event right Um, so that's where part of this uh, you know why read the Bible comes from because I know that some people read the Bible and they don't like what it means or what it says that it means and so they don't take it take all of it they take parts of it that they like And I think that's the first problem, right? And that's, that is the kind of deal breaker. I mean, how are we all going to come to an agreement on things if God has given us a fallible book, right? So um, if God has given us a book that we are more or less allowed to, pick and choose which parts we like and which parts we don't want to like or don't want to obey or don't want to believe or want to minimize or ignore, um, we're not going to come into agreement. And so um, in in asking this question, why read the Bible? I, I think the first thing that has to happen is you have to be convinced And to some degree, you're only going to be convinced by actually reading it. But you have to be convinced that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is the Word of God to us. Um, Now, it would be silly for me to say that without reading it, you should just fully be convinced, right? So what happens is, you read it and you see what is true and you begin to accept that this book is unlike any other book and that might be just a good place to kind of stop because I'm about five minutes away um, as we're kind of like shaping our thoughts on the Bible Um, just getting into talking about why read it Now I want to talk about you know why should an atheist pick up the Bible and read it why would somebody who believes in the Quran read the Bible? I want to talk about all those things. Um, but I think the first thing is just to acknowledge that historically, and even like as we're living right now, the Bible is unlike any other book. Um, many of the things that we say just in our speech, in our everyday life, come from the Bible. The laws that we abide by Uh, are sort of rooted in these biblical ideas of law and justice. Um, There is no reason why an evolved ape should care about justice, especially if we got here by being the fittest to survive. Um, Our highest value, then, should be to be fit and to um, kill or ignore or weed out those people that are not fit. And so when an atheist cares about morality, first of all, um, the fact that we even care about right and wrong should show us that there's an imprint of a conscience inside of us. Um, Something that says, hey, justice is good, And there is right and wrong now that conscience is fractured it's fractured by sin and selfishness and self-interest it doesn't always work right Um, so we can't expect looking within ourselves to produce truth it can it can show us things that should be true but there has to be another standard by which we measure things. And so even if that conscience is sort of like, it's almost like we're seeing this picture, um, or looking into like a broken mirror or seeing like a picture that's sort of like, uh, been fractured or, or torn off or burnt a little bit. It's, it's like an artifact, right? Our, when we look at our conscience, we're like, Oh, we know there's right and wrong, but we also know, That it doesn't always function right. And even when it does function right, we don't want to listen to it sometimes. That we want the things that are wrong. That we know are wrong. That we want those things. And that's what the law of God and the word of God does. It shows us that if our hearts were right, this is what they would be like. Or this is what they should be like. And that's hard to come to grips with. It's hard to come to grips with, for one, because, especially if you understand the biblical narrative, that our hearts are deceitful. They're not always telling us the right thing, even though a lot of times they do tell us good things, but they can be deceitful. They're not a perfect standard. and. Obviously, we're self interested. Um, So that's part of the problem, too. Um, Oh, yeah, the other thing was that we tend to, over time, harden into our beliefs, okay? So if you've been an atheist for one year, you might be, you know, really jazzed about it and stuff. But maybe you haven't hardened into your belief. Um, the longer we tend to be something, um, this isn't always true. I think, you know, obviously people change what they believe after, after a lot of time and reflection. Um, but I'm just pointing out that we can believe something just because the time variable is very convincing for our hearts. So our hearts tend to want to hold on to things that we've believed for a long time. And this is why it takes, you know, to actually change somebody's heart about something. To just change their mind about something is one thing. Um, if we're talking like a science, scientific thing, I think people can change their mind when given proof in that way. But to actually change the, the heart is, I would say it's impossible to change someone's heart that the best we can do is what I'm doing right now, trying to give arguments to the person's mind, and then the heart is really an issue of the person, is kind of between the person and God. So I can't, there's nothing I can objectively do to change your heart, um, as there's nothing you can do to change my heart, right? But the truth, and we believe, Christians believe the Holy Spirit um, changes hearts. In fact, I would say that, like, I don't even want my old heart anymore, and I'm glad that God has taken it away and given me a new heart. Um, That doesn't mean that I'm working, functioning, you know, as this perfect individual by any means. I still have sin, but I'm given a new heart, and that heart is, you can almost think of it as, like, it's pushing out, you know, Through God's grace his work not mine is pushing out all of those old desires Um, so it feels like you're kind of feel when you're a Christian it kind of feels like you have two hearts sometimes but we we know that the true heart has been replaced by a heart that loves God and is soft to the things of God and not hard So God removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. Um, So I'll have to stop there. Um, I don't know how many episodes this will take. (laughs) It's a big question, right? Why read the Bible? Uh, But what would really help me is if you would send me, like, questions or comments that I can interact with. Um, You can email that to me, um, pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com or you can if you have my number you can text me or you know send it to me on facebook messenger or whatever but i'd love to get you know whatever your background is i'd love to kind of hear like what do you think about the bible like you know do you use it do you quote it to people I, you know i've found some people that i disagree with them on a lot of things but they actually quote the bible to me Um, Why do we not agree on things if we both agree on the Bible? Um, These are really, I think, not just interesting questions, but the questions. If the Bible is the word of God, theoretically, we should all be worshiping that God. And we should all be agreeing on the basic things. But we don't. So, why read the Bible? Why is that... <clears throat> not happening or not panning out the way that we think it should. These are really crucial questions, I think, because I think that what we can do at the very least is know what we believe and let the Bible solidify that so that we can have a relationship with the true God and know him as he is and share that with our family and our friends and anyone else who will listen so that as many people as possible can know the best being in the world um, and I, I use that phrase in the world uh, loosely <laughs> although God is in the world but he's not of the world so I want you to know God I want to know God um, I don't think that my opinion is the cornered market on God but I do think that the Bible is and that's what I want to seek to defend in this podcast. So anyway, thanks for listening. Um, I know it's a little random. That's the nature of this thing. I wish I could quit my job and, you know, become a scholar and um, go to seminary and learn more and learn Greek and all that stuff. But honestly, I think that's one of the issues I think that we'll get to here is I believe the Bible is clear enough that with minimal, even a minimal amount of resources and with a heart that loves Christ and believes the gospel, that we can all basically believe the same thing when we read the Bible. The Bible is that clear that even someone that doesn't know Greek has the right to stand up and say, this is what the word of God says, and you should believe it. And uh, and I stand on that. So love you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.